This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run at 7.06 a.m. on Tuesday, the 23rd of January. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Keith Kam and Wong Xiaoning. In half an hour, we're going to delve into the outlook for the global oil and gas sector this year. But as always, we are kickstarting the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. It was a pretty much positive day for Wall Street. The Dow Jones rose more than 100 points to close above the 38,000 point level for the first time ever, up 0.4%. The S&P 500 was up 0.2%. The Nasdaq was up 0.3%. In Asia earlier, uh, earlier in the day, the Nikkei was up 1.6%. Hong Kong's Hang Seng was down 2.3%. Shanghai's Composite was down 2.7%. Singapore's STI closed 0.1% lower. And back home, the FBM KLCI was up 0.3% at 1,491 points. Alright, so for some thoughts on what's moving in international markets. We have on the line with us Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management. Joe, good morning. Now, after an initial start to 2024, the S&P 500 and Nasdaq are reaching record highs once again. What would explain this continued resiliency in U.S. stocks despite growing geopolitical and economic uncertainty in global markets? Well, the geopolitics are far from home if you're sitting on Wall Street. So that's number one. And number two, the third, uh, the fourth quarter data coming in, consumer confidence, uh, retail sales, they're coming in much stronger than expected yet again. I mean, that's a common theme. So, you know, real GDP for Q4 is tracking around two and a half percent. Earnings, okay, not great, but not dismal. Uh, there's a fear of missing out. So, there's a lot of you know optimism right now about the Fed cuts, good growth, and you know no landing when it comes to a recession. We just continue to chug on, so we'll see how that plays out. So, Joe, what then are your expectations for U.S. GDP numbers that do come out on Thursday? Uh, they're going to be north of two percent, maybe two and a half percent. That's half the level that we saw in Q3. But that's still a pretty good level of growth, all things considered. And we've seen a little, you know, inflation running around 3.4%. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, I hate to say it, it's like Goldilocks. It's not too hot, not too cold, but, you know, always watch out for the bears. So we're not out of the woods, but you know, it's a good start to the year. There's a lot of repositioning, a lot of new money coming in to the markets in January as well. Yeah, but the money seems to be still stuck in the Magnificent Seven, doesn't it? It does. I mean, there's definitely a bias. You know, there's a lot of still AI hype out there uh, playing out, a lot of expectations that's going to move the needle in terms of productivity, growth, more chips. And then also, you know, we have $8 trillion now sitting in money market funds. So I think that's going to start to seep into equities and fixed income for that matter. A lot of talk, not, haven't seen the real flows just hit, but I think some people are anticipating getting ahead of this wave of money that could come out of, say, money market funds into equities. You know, Joe, this resilience that we've been seeing, I don't know if we should be nervous about it because, I mean, based on the latest Q4 earnings seen so far, S&P 500 companies have been uh, seeing their lowest net profit margins in more than three years. So how much of this should be of concern um, for, for investors? Well, it's something, you know, it's, it's in many cases company-specific. They're looking very carefully how well they're managing uh, through their input costs, can they leverage AI? Are they vulnerable to these geopolitical shocks? Gasoline prices have come down. Food prices are a little sticky. So, the corporations so far have managed their well, managed their pretty good so far. 
I think, you know, and, and also I think this year is a little, could be a little anomaly. I think a lot of investors are putting money to work now because they're going to take it out of the market later as we get close to the election. But, you know, corporate earnings uh, hanging in there, corporations doing a good job managing their margins. And, you know, there, there's a lot of expectation that inflation is actually going to go to deflation and that's going to be good for earnings. If we take a look at what's happening um, over in Europe, we have seen the euro reverse gains it made against the U.S. dollar. Um, does it refer to the interplay between U.S. Fed and ECB in terms of their policies? I mean, is that why the currency pair is underperforming right now? I think that's part of it. I mean, I think Lagarde was a little bit more guarded in terms of uh, when they're going to start to cut rates. They probably need to cut rates sooner rather than later because the big news as you know, is Germany's in recession. Uh, that, that's clear, the biggest one there. And there's a lot of fears that Germany can be deindustrialized by China. There's a lot of import competition coming in from that part of the world. So the mood in Europe is pretty grim. It kind of flipped really quick here. And if we don't get any progress with the war in Ukraine, that drags on for a third year. That's very sobering. So we are seeing a lot of foreign money, European included, come seep its way into the U.S., can we spend some time on Germany? Because, yeah, how did it lose its industrial powerhouse title? You know, it just, they have a few technology companies, but nothing like even, I would say, Malaysia or like South Korea, Japan. They're just innovatively stuck, you know, in, the, in, in prior decades. They're automobiles, chemicals, pharmaceuticals. They're not on the cutting edge of AI um, you know, quantum computing. So even consumer electronics. So they've really kind of never, you know, they've been, they've been stuck with the same industrial playbook. And I'm really afraid that China could eat Germany's lunch when it comes to electrical vehicles, vehicles in general, chemicals across the board. So they've just not kept up industrially with the 21st century wants and needs. Uh, if we are looking at the euro, the market is now forecasting the next support level at 107 against the greenback. Do you do you expect it to hit those levels? Because I remember at one time it used to be at par, but it was uh, quite some time ago, right? It was par and then even below par. Yeah. But you know, I think it stays range-bound. It depends on Jay Powell and how much the Fed is actually going to cut rates. And as you know, the markets think he's going to cut six times. Jay Powell and the Fed says three times. So it would probably be in, in the middle ultimately, but I don't see any big move in the you know, euro rate, dollar rate anytime soon because you know, everyone, it's priced in. We're going to continue to grow, but a slower rate in Europe's just going to stagnate. And you know, that doesn't move the currency one way or the other. The bigger, the bigger one we get all the time is Japan. Is Japan for real going to bounce back? Um, is how much can the rally continue? And you know, I'm kind of suspect about is that as, as well. Sorry, you suspect about the Japanese rally. You think that uh, it's already up close to 10% on a year-to-date basis. Is How much more can it go then, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I, it could go another 10%, but I wouldn't, you know, I'd be careful putting a lot of money to work here, buying the dips. It had a nice rally year-end. Um, it has moved higher. A lot of clients want to talk about it. They're looking at Warren Buffett. He's increased his exposure Everyone's following Buffett, but that's not a, that's not a good strategy. You try to be with him or ahead of him, but that's hard to do. So, but, but Japan is also you know here again you're looking at industries, consumer electronics, uh, vehicles that you know China is just coming up fast. China is now the largest exporter of automobiles, and that hurts Japan and Germany in particular. 
Joe, thank you as always for the chat. We'll catch you next week. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. The vibes coming out of the U.S. markets, really positive, uh, despite all the economic uncertainty in the air. My goodness, it's that Goldilocks moment, right? Everything is just right for the US economy. It's amazing. Who do we thank? Do we thank Biden, but the American public don't seem to? Or is it uh, uh, Joe Jerome Powell that's gotten the act together at the Fed? But again, the Fed themselves aren't calling victory on this because no. inflation is still far from the 2% level, although very much lower than the highs that we saw during the pandemic, right? Mm. Um, and I'm just wondering if we're just biding time really until the point where everything starts to tank. We've been talking about this recession for the past year. I'm thinking we could still be talking about it at the end <laughs> you know, of this year you know until it actually happen? happens. December. Because that'll be after the presidential election. No president wants to see their economy tank uh, as they're heading to the polls. So I think they'll do whatever it takes to keep the economy going right up to November. But but it still makes me a bit nervous looking at these lofty levels right now. I mean, it's gains after gains every day. and It's all relative. Yeah. So if you've got tons of money in the system, where are you going to put it? It's a question of which market do you think is doing better? At the moment, it's still the magnificent seven. Growth mm. is still there. People still earnings. The rest of the world, pretty much sluggish, which is why uh, even though markets have done well, continue to do well. Japan is a classic example of that in Asia. All right, let's turn our attention to some of the uh, international headlines that have caught our eye this morning from the corporate world. We do have news coming out of United Airlines. They forecasted a wider than expected loss in the first quarter through to March because of the grounding of Boeing 737 MAX 9 airplanes. I think we see in the fourth quarter, United's net income fell by 29% on year to 600 million US dollars. Revenue rose, though, by close to 10% on year to 13%. billion, exceeding expectations. Uh, For the full year of 2023, the carrier posted an adjusted earnings per share of $10.05, achieving its target of between $10 to $12 a a share. You know, when you're talking about their MAX 9 planes, assuming that all MAX 9 planes remain grounded until the end of January, the loss is expected to come in the range of $0.35 to $0.85 a share, which is way larger than what analysts had expected, uh, which was about $0.21 per share. I think what's um, uh, interesting coming out of their, I think, press conference or their earnings uh, report was that uh, they are actually united, I mean, is actually quite frustrated with Mm -hmm. Boeing. And I think those uh, statements coming from the United CEO, Scott Kirby, has been making headlines because it's quite notable when you have an airline chief vocally uh, saying that they're unhappy with their airplane maker. Well, for sure, because United... Um, together with Alaska Air, have as much as 70% of their max of the MAX 9 fleet. And this has meant, I'm sure, immense disruptions because you've had to cancel thousands of flights, right? Every time you ground a flight, you, A, make your customers mm. very unhappy, B, you lose revenue, and it's very hard to gain back that revenue again. Now, in terms of the share price performance on a year-to-date basis, it's already down 7%. But the street continues, I think, to believe this story in terms of uh, tourism, uh, aviation recovery, 17 buys, five holes, just one sell. Consensus target price for this stock, 58 US dollars and 65 cents. Last time, price actually down $0.37 cents to $38.45. I think we have time for maybe another quick story. And this is really 
uh, on Macy's and the future of the U.S. department store. So Macy's has rejected a $5.8 billion U.S. dollar proposal by Arc House Management and Partner Brigade Capital Management to take the department store operator private, saying that uh, they cited concerns over deal financing and valuation. I understand that uh, this uh, proposal was actually 19% uh, higher than what... Uh, Macy's valuation is at the moment. So I'm not sure where the concerns are coming from. But the board of Macy's has rejected this offer. And I think on last count, Arc House is asking for more information then from Macy's to see if they can get a deal coming through. Yeah, I mean, Macy's did say that the offer was not financially attractive enough and it came with numerous non-standard precondition, preconditions. And according to, to sources as well, Macy's is not running a sales process with other parties and no other bidders that meet the company's expectations have also I- emerged at this point in time. I mean, Macy's is under a lot of pressure because it's lost market share. It's closing uh, stores. I think they're uh, laying off about 3.5% of uh, their total headcount, uh, which they announced last week. And I think they're closing another, what, three, four stores. Mm. Um, it's not a, It's not looking good for them, at least in the short term. Yeah, so they're definitely one of the victims of the departmental stores becoming less attractive, right? Unless you really revamp. And that's really much reflected in on Wall Street. There's only five buys, six holes, three sells. Consensus target price for Macy's, 18 US dollars and 7 cents. Last time price actually up 63 cents to 18 US dollars and 26 cents. Um, let's see whether the, um, this bid does really take off. The share price down 9.2% on a year-to-date basis already. All right, 7.19 a.m. We're going to head into some messages. We'll come back with more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.